السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ربنا زدنا علما إن شاء الله we will begin from باب نمبر 13 of كتاب الجمعة حديث نمبر 907 is that the same number that you have 899 okay This bab, there's no chapter heading for it, meaning there's no title. And remember that whenever there is a bab which appears in this way, that no tarjuma, meaning no heading has been given, then you have to look at the previous one. Because it's like a sub-heading or like a side point that Imam Bukhari is proving here, which is not directly related to the previous bab, but it is somehow related. It's like a side issue. And this is similar to how when you're talking about something, there are many things that come to your mind. Right? Many tangents that you can go off into. Some are, okay, directly related, but others are not that directly related. But at the same time, they're essential, so they cannot be fully ignored. So instead of dedicating an entire bab to that, and giving a separate chapter heading, Imam Bukhari, what he does in his book is that he just mentions bab, and he will mention a few ahadiths under that. Okay? So over here, what hadith is mentioned? حدثنا عبد الله بن محمد حدثنا شبابة حدثنا ورقاء عن عمر بن دينار عن مجاهد عن ابن عمر عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذنوا للنساء Give permission to the women بالليل in the night إلى المساجد to the masjid Meaning let your women go to the masjid during the night. If they wish to go and perform salah in the masjid, then do not stop them, do not prevent them. Now, how is this hadith related to the previous bab? The previous bab, what was the tarjumah? The heading was, هَلْ عَلَى مَنْ لَمْ يَشْهَدِ الْجُمُعَةَ غُسْلٌ مِنَ النِّسَاءِ وَصِبْيَانِ وَغَيْرِهِمْ That is it necessary for women, children and others who do not attend the Jumu'ah prayer to have a ghusl? So basically the issue is about women going to the masjid for Jumu'ah. Okay, So over here, indirectly he's indicating that women should be allowed to go because technically if they're allowed to go for the night prayer, meaning for Salatul Isha in the night to the masjid, then why should they not be allowed to go for Jumu'ah? Okay? And when they're going for Jumu'ah anyway, okay, it's not obligatory on them, but when they're going, then what's better? That they go after taking a ghusl, just like the men do. For men, okay, it's it's fault, it's wajib. Women, it's not wajib. But since they're going anyway, they might as well take ghusl before going. So in this hadith, what do we learn? That the women should not be prevented from going to the masjid, even if it is at night. For salatul risha. Obviously, who should not stop them? Their men, their qawam, whether it's the husband or the father. But remember that this does not mean that the women should go even if the husband is not allowing her. Okay? There has to be an agreement. The husband has been told, do not stop. But the woman on the other hand, has been told that she must go with approval, with permission. And the next hadith is very, very beautiful. حدثنا يوسف بن موسى حدثنا أبو أسامة حدثنا عبيد الله بن عمر عن نافع عن ابن عمر ابن عمر said, 
قال he said كانت امرأة the wife لعمر of عمر رضي الله عنه so one of the wives of عمر رضي الله عنه تشهد she would go for salat al-subhi wal-ishai for the morning prayer and the isha prayer meaning fajr and isha في الجماعة she would be present in the congregational prayer and where would that be? في المسجد in the masjid so fajr and isha where would she pray? in the masjid فقيل لها so it was said to her لما تخرجين why do you go وقد تعلمين well you know أنت عمر that indeed عمر يكره ذلك he dislikes that ويغاروا and he has غيرة you know what is غيرة protective jealousy right meaning he doesn't like that his wife is going in the night to the masjid and there are men who go to the masjid and at night you know you go you know that he doesn't like that he doesn't approve of it why do you go qalat she said wama yamna'uhu and what is preventing him ayyanhani that he stop me meaning he can stop me if he wants what's holding him back why doesn't he stop me if he dislikes it then he should just tell me not to go qala he said yamna'uhu qawlu rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam what's stopping him is the statement of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam which statement la tamna'u ima allahi masajid allah that do not stop the female servants the female slaves the women the servants of allah from the masajid of allah so this is the only reason why he lets you go Now this is amazing that on the one hand the wife is taking advantage okay that he can't stop me so I should go I can go so why not I'll I'll go but look at the amazing you know character of Umar radhiyallahu anhu that on the one hand he has respect for the command of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and on the other hand it's very difficult for him to see his wife go every night and every morning he doesn't like that he's angry from inside but he doesn't stop her because he does not want to disobey the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam it's amazing that umar radhiyallahu anhu it's amazing how he was as a man you know so much ghira but still when he came to the command of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he just surrendered there he just submitted over there and in this is a beautiful lesson for all of us because there are many times that things are happening and we don't personally like them but if they are approved by the Quran and Sunnah then don't make things difficult for people hmm? now what do we learn over here firstly we see that uh, the statement of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam la tamna'u ima allah masajid allah la tamna'u ima allah they are allah servants you know who ima are right it's the female of feminine of abd Abd is a male slave and Amah is a female slave. Okay? So, women are Allah's servants before they are your wives or you know your daughters or your whoever. They are Allah's servants also. And Allah's servants, where do they belong? Masajid Allah. Alright? So, Allah's house, the servant belongs in his master's house. So, if the servant wishes to go, to worship Allah then let that servant go do not stop them do not prevent them and from this we can also do qiyas for seeking ilm okay meaning if a person wishes to go to seek knowledge sacred knowledge the knowledge of the deen then they should not be prevented
Okay, they should not be prevented. A man should not stop his wife, his sister, his daughter from seeking the knowledge of the deen, just like you should not stop her from going to the masjid in order to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because seeking knowledge is also worship. Right? Seeking knowledge is a means to worshipping better. So if there is no knowledge, then how will she worship Allah better? You understand? So the man should not stop. However, he can. He still can. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, لا تمنعوا إما الله مساجد الله However, I mean, this is not like men are not allowed at all to prevent their women. I mean, they have that authority. They still can. So this means that a woman should not go if the husband does not allow. Okay, meaning she should have his approval. It is said that Umar anhu he used to say to her, over here somebody else is intervening, right? But in other versions we learned that Umar anhu used to say to her, Wallahi innaka lata'lamina anni ma ahabu ahada. You know, by Allah you know that I don't like this. You know that I do not like this. Still you go. I want you to stop going already. I want you to quit already. I want you to leave this already. She said, Wallahi la antahi hatta tanhani. By Allah, I'm not going to stop until you stop me. Meaning, when you tell me that's it, you cannot go, then I'll stop. But I know that you can't say that to me, so I'm going to take advantage. Anyway, we see that no matter how good of a relationship there may be between a husband and wife, there are some matters with which, you know, sometimes the husband may not be 100% comfortable. Even though it may be permissible in the deen, it may be an obligation, it may be an encouragement, but still it's possible that the husband doesn't really, he hasn't come to terms with it yet. So what should the woman do? Should she listen to him and leave what is fault or leave what is mustahab? Should she oblige or should she remain firm? It's a very tricky matter. And women should know how to react in these situations because this is what we deal with. And if we don't you know, deal with this situation correctly, there can be a lot of you know, problems. Hmm? It can affect the relationship. You know, I always say to women who uh, seek advice concerning these matters, my husband doesn't let me wear hijab or my husband doesn't let me you know, take this course or that course. You know, I believe that this is not just a test of your commitment to deen. This is also a test of your akhlaq. And this is also a test of your amal. How much really are you following the deen? Because while you are told to wear your hijab, you are also told to respect your husband. And you're also told to give them their haq. Right? That cannot be left out. So it's many, many tests combined. We just look at it from one aspect. I want to go for my class. I'm going to fight with my husband and yell at him and disrespect him and leave him to fend for himself. No, you have failed the test. Miserably. You have failed the test. When is it that... A person is on the right path when there are challenges. There will be, you know, these hindrances where the husband is not truly, you know, fully happy with you doing something. But what should you do in that situation? Keep respecting them, keep giving them their haq, but remain firm. Remain firm. And sooner or later, they will come to terms with it. You know, there are certain matters for which there is an option. Okay, you don't do it. Like, for example, there's a course in the weekend, there's a course in the evening. Okay, don't do it. Don't do it. It's not fard on you. Okay, there's a five-day commitment. Okay, leave that. If it's making things difficult for you at your home, leave that. Take something that you are able to do. But there are other things which are mandatory. That you cannot 
you don't have an option. Like for example, hijab. Or for example, basic ilm. You know, for instance, if a woman is struggling with the recitation of the Qur'an, for her to learn how to recite the Qur'an is mandatory. When she has the ability, it's mandatory on her to learn how to recite the Qur'an at least correctly so that she's not making mistakes in which she's earning sin. You understand? And for that kind of learning, I mean, she has to dedicate some time. I'm not saying five days a week, full time. No, once a week, twice a week. But some people even have a problem with that. They have a problem with that, that the husbands will not allow. Or they're not completely happy and willing to support them in this in this cause. So in that situation, what should be done? Be firm. Be respectful. Give them their haq and be firm. And sooner or later, they will come to terms with it. Isn't it that, you know, in everyday matters, there are certain things that we like and certain things that our husbands like. But then what happens? We're firm about what we want and we get them to agree. Eventually. So why is it that when it comes to the matters of deen, we lose our temper and we become, you know, we show such bad akhlaq, we forget everything that we have learned, or we go to the other extreme, which is leaving it altogether. So this is a very, very beautiful example for us. That how Umar anhu on the one hand, he is controlling himself, he is not stopping her, and on the other hand, she is also not keeping away. I mean, eventually, as long as you remain firm, you know, Allah will make a way for you. Recently, this lady asked me, she said that, you know, a lot of voluntary work, Alhamdulillah, she's involved in it. She helps out at the masjid as much as she can. But she's like, my husband, he doesn't like me wearing hijab. He doesn't want me to do that. So what should I do? And he tells me that already you're doing so much. You're a good person. You know, wearing this hijab is not going to add to your goodness. So you don't need to wear it. And he really doesn't want her to. He doesn't allow her. He gets upset. So what should she do in that situation? I told her, make dua. And as soon as you feel that you are ready, you are ready. Because first you have to be ready. When you are ready, take that step and be firm. Be firm. And eventually they'll accept it. You know, it's amazing how women, they will change their husband's diets completely. The man who never ate vegetables is now eating salads. The man who was so picky about his food is now eating everything. Or most things at least. Why? Because the wife says, too bad. This is all I can make. Either eat this or go hungry. So people come to terms with it, right? I was just thinking, you know, that we can come here, alhamdulillah. We should really, you know, once in a while appreciate them a lot, that they let us go, alhamdulillah. The second thing I was listening to one of Yasir Qadi's lectures on uh, um, marriage and relationship. Uh, and he said that, you know, if you give the man respect, he'll do anything for you. Yeah. Don't let go of respect, even if, you know, you really want something. That's all they want, man. They want respect. Yes. Respect and their needs fulfilled. If their needs are fulfilled, they'll be happy. And they really don't care about what you're doing or what you're not doing. But if their needs are unfulfilled, then every little thing is going to bother them. It's like, you know, when someone is hungry, when a child is hungry, then everything... No, 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 no. Everything. Would you like to sit in the car? No. Would you like to go somewhere? No. Do you want to stand? No. You want to sit? No. Everything is a no. Why? Because inside, he's unsatisfied. So likewise, when a man is satisfied, then you'll have his support. Then he'll give you the freedom that you need. Again, it's not just one test. It's many tests combined.
So a person must take every step very carefully in such a delicate situation and it's very delicate because this can strain the relationship and if the relationship is strained at home you're not at peace then how can a person keep going every day seeking ilm doing da'wah you feel like you're living a double life and remember no matter how smooth you know your life is your relationship is there will be bumps there will be ups and downs you know it might come to you as a big surprise that, what do you mean What do you mean I can't do this? Really? And then you realize, ouch, I, you know, I'm a wife. I'm supposed to accept his decision. It's very shocking. It's very shocking. But be prepared for these situations. Alhamdulillah, it's so good. Alhamdulillah, everything so well. Something will happen. Either something you say, which you did not mean in any other way, but the husband gets upset and you said, what do you mean you're saying this? And you, realize, you didn't mean that, and he, but he takes it a different way. Or something will happen with the children, and that upsets the husband. Anything. And I always found, I was telling my auntie the same thing, because it happened to her. She was in South Africa, she had such a nice time, but nothing went wrong. Soon as she came here, husband had a massive, massive heart attack. And she was saying, she even thought to herself, everything went too smoothly. Something has to happen to make you stop and think, and thank Allah SWT. Yes. And not take things for granted. Never. Never take things for granted. Whether it's your children, your husband, your family, anything in your life. Yes. Always stop and think, Oh Allah, this is from you and I will take it in your control. Yes. And also one more thing that when a person is going out in Allah's way and a hurdle is created by someone, whether it's that every time you're going they say, No, you should not go. Or you come home and they're upset. You know, their mood says it all. Those of you who are married, you know what I'm talking about, right? That sometimes they send you off with approval, but as soon as you come back, angry, upset. So at that time, instead of fussing over them, that, oh, they're so moody and they're so they're always complaining and I can never make him happy, think about yourself. Always check yourself. Did you, you know, neglect his haq in any way? Whether it was breakfast or ironing or, you know, dirty laundry or whatever it was, You know, because you know what happens? Shaitan is after every single person. Anything that goes wrong, Shaitan will put in their head, you know, she's going to this class. This class, man. This Al-Huda. The entire blame will go on Al-Huda. The entire blame will go on the Qur'an class. Whereas if you think about it, when you're home on the weekends, or when you're home uh, through the summer, for instance, even then there are times when the breakfast was late, or the laundry was not done, or... Things were not done properly. But at that time, who is to blame? Who is to blame? You can't blame any Al-Huda at that time or any Qur'an class. Right? It's from shaitan. So you have to be extra careful, extra on guard, you know, with your akhlaq and your behavior and you're giving haq to your spouse. My husband asking, why aren't you going to Al-Huda? You know, you were much more productive and, you know, you did things faster. Alhamdulillah, you know, it's from the blessing of coming here. He's like, I was thinking, he had so much gheera. You know, uh, the ayahs of Hijjah were revealed because of his yandira for other women. Yes. So imagine for his own women. And unfortunately, we're losing this in men. You yes. know, and it's something that, you know, we say it's controlling instead of, you know, appreciating that it's actually gheera that it has. It's protection. Bab ar-rukhsati illam yahdur al-jumu'ata fil-matari. Ar-rukhsati. Allowance. Dispensation in if لم يحضر Jumuata If a person does not attend the Jumu'ah When fil matari In the rain Meaning if it's raining Do people have this allowance to not go for Jumu'ah? 
or do they still have to go for a Jumu'ah? Fard Salah. Are there any times when you're allowed to, okay, don't pray, it's okay. Whether you're traveling or you're sick, or you just woke up from you know the anesthesia that you were given several hours ago, if it's time to pray, you have to pray. But when it comes to going to the masjid for Jumu'ah, do you have an option of staying back if, let's say, the weather conditions are really severe? Yes. حدثنا مسدد قال حدثنا إسماعيل قال أخبرني عبد الحميد صاحب الزيادي قال حدثنا عبد الله بن الحارث ابن عمي محمد بن سيرين قال ابن عباس لمؤذنه في يوم مطير on a rainy day ابن عباس said to his مؤذن إذا قلت أشهد أن محمد رسول الله he said to his مؤذن the one who was giving the adhan that when you when you're about to say أشهد أن محمد رسول الله meaning in the adhan فلا تقول حي على الصلاة then don't say حي على الصلاة قل and instead you should say صلوا في بيوتكم pray in your homes because حي على الصلاة means come to prayer so if the muaddin is saying come to prayer that means everybody leave what you're doing and come and join the congregation but Ibn Abbas said to the muaddin don't say حي على الصلاة instead say صلوا في بيوتكم pray in your homes when Ibn Abbas said that to his muaddin فَكَأَنَّ النَّاسَ اسْتَنْكَرُ so the people, it was as if they, you know, they found this very strange. They didn't like it. That why is Ibn Abbas saying people should pray in their homes? And why is he changing the words of the adhan? When he found the people surprised, قَالَ He said, فَعَلَهُ مَنْ هُوَ خَيْرٌ مِّنِّي The one who was better than me did this. Meaning, the Prophet ﷺ. You find it strange that I'm telling the Mu'addin to do this? This happened at the time of the Prophet ﷺ also. He said, إِنَّ الْجُمُعَةَ عَزْمَةً Indeed, Jumu'ah, that is Azma. Azma meaning an obligation. Azma, strict order, a matter requiring firm resolution, meaning it's an obligation. There is no doubt about its obligation. وَإِنِّي كَرِهْتُ But I disliked أَنْ أُخْرِجَكُمْ That I should bring you out, meaning from your homes. فَتَمْشُونَ So then you walk all the way to the masjid. فِطِّينِ in mud وَالدَّحْضِ And slush. Because at that time, the roads, they were of mud. Right? Muddy pathways. And when it rained, Parts of it, yes, they got wet and muddy, but other parts, they would become very slushy and slippery, such that when a person would step on it, he would slip and fall. So it would be dangerous. If people are coming for salah, they could really get hurt. So he did not want things to be made difficult for the people, and this is why he said people should pray in their homes and not come to the masjid. So this shows to us that if for fard prayer, you know, people are not required to come to the masjid, that for Jumu'ah prayer also, Jumu'ah can be cancelled when there are severe weather conditions. You understand? So, obviously at that time, the roads were such that even with a little bit of rain, or just heavy rain, you know, it would be dangerous to go out. However, these days, Alhamdulillah, things are not that bad. Even when there is a lot of snow, roads are cleared. If people go to work, they can also go for Jumu'ah. But still, there are times when there is so much snow, so much rain, so much ice, that's difficult. So in that situation, uh, you know, a person should not impose uh, difficulty upon himself and should stay back. You understand? And there's no sin in this. Bab min aina tu'tal jumu'atu. From where should a person come for jumu'ah? Meaning, how far should you come to jumu'ah for? وَعَلَىٰ and upon مَنْ تَجِبُ Who is it obligatory on? 
So there's two things over here. First of all, min aina, meaning how far or how near should a person be so that coming to Jumu'ah is obligatory on him. You understand? That how much should the distance be between the person and the masjid? At what distance does Jumu'ah become mandatory? Clear? Because we learned earlier the Jumu'ah is from jam, gathering together. Which means that a person cannot pray Jumu'ah himself. He has to go join a group of people. And it is preferred that in bigger masajid, people should go for Jumu'ah. Correct? So, what if the masjid is really, really far? What if a person lives in the outskirts of the city, and for him to go to that big masjid, it's going to take two hours? Or more, or less? You know, it could be difficult. So, is it still obligatory on him to leave everything and go for Jumu'ah? Or is he allowed to stay back? So the distance, okay, that is the discussion over here. And secondly, وَعَلَى مَنْ تَجِبُ Who is it obligatory on? Meaning, does it include everyone? Men, women, children, healthy, sick, uh, travelers, residents, does it include everyone? Why is this a question? لِقَوْلِ اللَّهِ Because of the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala جَلَّ وَعَزَّ إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمُعَةِ When the call for the prayer is made on the day of Friday. Now this ayah, it begins with, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا O you who believe. And O you who believe includes who? All the believers. So from that it seems, عَلَى مَنْ تَجِبُوا Who is it obligatory on? Everybody. Every believer. Whether he is sick or he's healthy, whether he is traveling or he's a resident, whether he lives near the masjid or far from the masjid, it's obligatory on everybody. That's what it seems like. And from this ayah again, min aina tu'tal jumu'ah. When the call to prayer is made. When the call to prayer is made, that means you have to hear the call in order to go. So what if you hear the call, okay, meaning the adhan, and you go. But what if you live really, really far from the masjid and you don't hear the adhan? Do you still have to go for Jumu'ah? This is a question. Do you still have to go for Jumu'ah? And what about people who live in places where you don't hear any adhan in your homes? Do you still have to go for Jumu'ah? Because remember that companion who who took permission, who asked for permission to stay behind. You know, from Salatul Jumu'ah, the Prophet ﷺ initially gave him permission, but then he asked, do you hear the adhan? He said, yes. So he was told, then respond. Then you have to go. Right? So what if a person does not hear the adhan? Because he lives too far from the masjid. Or he lives in a place where the adhan is not called out loud, like we are here. Then in that situation, does that mean Jumu'ah is not obligatory? Let's find out. وَقَالَ عَطَاءٌ إِذَا كُنْتَ فِي قَرْيَةٍ جَامِعَةٍ Ata said that when you are in a qariyah, in a city that is jami'ah. Jami'ah, what does it mean? Collective. Okay? Meaning thatul jama'ah. Where there is, you know, a population. A good population. So you're talking about a sizable town. Not a small city, not a small village, but a sizable town. Some said that thatul jama'ah means, qariyatin jami'atin means, a place where there is a jama'ah, meaning a jama'ah, a group, an assembly of a leader, okay, an amir, a qadi, a judge, some counselor, some representative in the main government. You understand? Uh, so, in, in, in a city like this, in a small population like this, qariyat and jamir, when you are in a place like that, 
فَنُوذِيَ بِالصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ And the call to prayer is made on the day of Friday. فَحَقٌ عَلَيْكَ أَن تَشْهَدَهَا Then it is incumbent on you, meaning necessary for you that you witness it. Meaning if you're in a big city, then you have to go for Jumu'ah. سَمِعْتَ النِّدَاءَ أَوْ لَمْ تَسْمَعْهُ Whether you hear the call or you don't hear it. Whether you hear the adhan or you do not hear it. So what do we learn from this statement? If a person is in a sizable town, meaning it's it's a population, it's a city, and okay, there is one masjid in the middle of the masjid, and you live towards the outskirts, okay, but you still have to go for Jumu'ah. Why? Because you are in that population. The reason why you don't hear the adhan is because you live too far. But still, you should go. So, if we're living in Toronto, and we don't hear the adhan of the masjid, but the masjid is only 10 minutes away, are the men required to go? Yes, they are. Okay. And also remember that nudia means the call is made. It hasn't been said, إِذَا سَمِرْتُ When you hear the call, when you hear the adhan. What has been said? When the call is made, meaning when the time enters. So when the time enters and you know that it's time to go for Jumu'ah, then you have to go for Jumu'ah. وَكَانَ أَنَسٌ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ أَنَسْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ فِي قَصْرِهِ In his qasr, in his fortress, أَحْيَانًا Sometimes you يُجَمِّعُ He would go for Jumu'ah. وَأَحْيَانًا And at other times لَا يُجَمِّعُ He would not go for Jumu'ah. وَهُوَ And he was بِالزَّاوِيَةِ عَلَى فَرْسَخَيْنِ He was at a place called Two farsakh from Basra. Two farsakh is about six miles. So Anas radiallahu anhu, he didn't live in the city, in the city of Basra. Rather he lived far from the city of Basra in a place called Zawiyah and it was about six miles away. Now for us six miles means six minutes on the highway. But imagine if a person has to walk all the way. Have you ever taken the side streets? How long does it take to cover the same distance? Sometimes double. Right? Now imagine if a person is walking all the way or going on a camel or a horse or a donkey. It's going to take even longer. Right? It's going to take at least an hour, if not more. So this is the reason why Anas anhu sometimes he would go for Jumu'ah and at other times he would not go for Jumu'ah. What does it show then? That it wasn't obligatory on him. Because if he considered it fard on himself, you think a, a companion of the Prophet would stay behind from Jumu'ah? From an obligation? Never. He wouldn't stay behind from an obligation. He would certainly go. So the fact that sometimes he would go and sometimes he would not go shows that it was not obligatory on him. Why was it not obligatory on him? Because he did not live in the city. Rather, he lived on the outskirts. He lived far. Six miles away. But remember that such a person who is living far from the city, he should not abandon Jumu'ah altogether. And this is why we see that Anas anhu, even though it was difficult, still he tried to make it as much as possible. Ahyanan yujammi'u wa ahyanan la yujammi'u. So is this clear? Haddathana Ahmad qala haddathana Abdullah ibn Wahbin qala akhbarani Amr ibn al-Harith an Ubaidillah ibn Abi Ja'farin anna Muhammad ibn Ja'far ibn al-Zubayr haddathahu an Urwat ibn al-Zubayr an Aishata zawd al-Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Aisha radullahu anha she said, she said, The people would yantabuna. They would come yawmal jumu'ati on the day of Friday mimmanazirihim from their homes wal awali and also awali. Awali was outskirts of Medina. 
places that were not really part of Medina, but right outside Medina. So people would come from their homes, meaning inside Medina, and also some would come from far off places. Why? For Jumu'ah. So they would come in Ghubar. What is Ghubar? Dust. Because obviously if you're traveling through the desert, then what would come on you? Dust. And if you're coming from a far off place, then again, you'd have more dust on you. Remember when Jibreel came to the Prophet ﷺ, there were no traces of any dust on him. And that you know, made the Sahaba wonder that this man is a stranger, we don't know him, he must have come from outside, but there's no dust on him, which means that he didn't come from outside. So what's going on here? He's not from Medina, and he's not from outside Medina, who is he? You understand? So when the people would arrive on Friday for the Salah, they would be covered in dust. And, يُصِيبُهُمُ الْغُبَارُ وَالْعَرَقُ غُبَار and عَرَق Meaning dust and sweat. It would be on them. Meaning its traces would be visible on them. Because it's only natural that if a person is coming from a far off place, riding or even walking or running, there would be dust as well as sweat on him. فَيَخْرُجُ مِنْهُمُ الْعَرَقُ so the araq would come out from them. Meaning the sweat, the smell of the sweat, you know, it would come. So it would be sensed by the people around them. فَأَتَى رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ إِنسَانٌ مِّنْهُمْ One man from among them, he came to the Prophet ﷺ, meaning to visit him, وَهُوَ عِنْدِي While the Prophet ﷺ was with me, meaning in her apartment. So this man came into the house. Where did he come? Into the house, into the hujrah. And now imagine if a person who's smelling of sweat, if he comes in a closed place, in a small room, then what's going to happen? That smell is going to spread. فَقَالَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ The Prophet ﷺ said, لَوْ أَنَّكُمْ تَطَهَّرْتُمْ لِيَوْمِكُمْ هَذَا If only you would clean yourselves for this day of yours. Meaning, it would be so good if you cleaned yourself, especially for Friday. Because then you would feel fresh and the people around you also would not feel other. Now there are a number of things that we learn from this hadith. First of all, the reason why this hadith has been brought here is to prove that people would come for Jumu'ah from where? Far off places also. But again, every single person would not come. Many of them would come, but everyone would not come. Which shows that if a person is far, so far, that it's difficult for him to come, then he has an option. He can go, and he also has the option of not going. However, he should not abandon Jumu'ah altogether. Secondly, we see here that the Prophet ﷺ encouraged them to clean themselves for this day, meaning for the day of Friday. Which means that generally, what should Muslims do? Clean themselves for this day. Whether they are going for Jumu'ah or they are not going for Jumu'ah. Whether they are coming from a near place or from a far off place. It is encouraged to clean yourself on this day. Because it's a special day. And then we also see here that if a person has cleaned himself, took a bath, and he, then he went to the masjid, and in the process he got sweaty and dusty, then obviously there's no harm in that, because he tried his best. You understand? Like for example, if a person works in such a place where you know there's a lot of hard labor, physical work, and in that process he's sweating, or there's dust covering him, he took a bath in the morning for Jumu'ah, but now by the time he'll get to the masjid, he's dusty. It's hot. The AC is not working in the car. You understand? Or he's coming on through public transport or he's walking all the way. 
So as long as a person has tried his best, there is no harm. But still, on reaching the masjid, freshen up. Right? On reaching the masjid, freshen up. Okay, now from this, there is a question, which is that the traveler, is it obligatory on him to perform Salatul Jumu'ah? We see that people are traveling to the masjid for Jumu'ah. So if a person is traveling, okay, he's making his way through a city, or on the road, he's going to another city, is he obligated to stop his journey and pray Salatul Jumu'ah and then continue? Hmm? Remember that Salatul Jumu'ah is not fard on the traveler. Okay, it's not obligatory. And this is the opinion of the majority of the scholars. Okay? And the reason is, the reason why they hold this opinion is because they said that the Prophet ﷺ, he used to travel frequently. Didn't he? He traveled for Umrah. He traveled for Hajj. Okay? He traveled for so many military campaigns, at least 20, the Prophet ﷺ participated in himself. Okay? And when he traveled, there were so many people with him, sometimes hundreds and sometimes thousands. But none of them report that he stopped for Jumu'ah, or he established the Jumu'ah prayer during the journey, or even the Eid prayer. About Hajj, it's understood. Okay? And even at Hajj, the khutbah that he gave, at Arafah, it was for Hajj, not for Jumu'ah. You understand? We learned that once the companions were traveling, and the time of Eid al-Adha came. So the companions, they actually offered you know, their animals. They slaughtered their animals as Udhiyah. But we don't learn that they performed Salatul Eid. Okay? Neither did they perform Salatul Jumu'ah. So from this we learn that if a person is traveling, okay, meaning a person is on the road. At that time, if the time for Salatul Eid comes or Salatul Jumu'ah comes, is that fard on him? Is that fard on him? No, it is not. However, if a person traveled and he reached his destination and he's staying there for three, four days and he's just at home, chilling with his family and it's Friday, should he go for Jumu'ah? The scholar said that yes, he should go. Again, they say it's not wajib on him, but it is better for him to go. Why? Because the ayah says, إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمُعَةِ فَاسْعَوْ إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ And فَاسْعَوْ, the command is being given to who? Everybody. The traveler as well as the resident. So you understand? But sometimes it happens that you are in one city, but you have one thing to do after the other. And especially men. I mean, if they're traveling to a different city, they're going for work. They're, they have multiple meetings. They have so many things planned out. So again, making time out for Jumu'ah might be difficult. So in that situation, again, they have the option of leaving it out. Bab waqtul Jumu'ati ida zalat shams The time of Jumu'ah prayer is when the sun starts to decline. Zalat. Zalat is from? Zawal. And what does Zawal mean? The declining. Okay. Remember that uh, the sun, when it rises, when you see it rising, it appears on the horizon and it goes up. And then there is a certain point in the day when it's literally above your head. And that's understood as noon time. And that is a time when prayer is not allowed. Remember, there are three times when prayer is forbidden, unless there is a cause. And what are those three times? Firstly, when the sun is rising. Secondly, when the sun is at the meridian. Okay. And thirdly, 
when the sun is setting. Alright? So, once the sun reaches its highest point in the sky, okay, then what happens? It begins to decline. So, in the morning, once the sun has risen, the shadows are in a particular direction. And then you see that those shadows are shrinking, shrinking, shrinking until the shadow is right beneath you. Okay? And then what happens? The direction of the shadow, it changes. Why? Because now the sun is going on the opposite direction. So when this happens, إِذَا زَالَتْ shams, When the sun begins to decline, that is when the time for Salatul Jumu'ah comes in. Meaning, the time for Dhuhr. In other words, in simpler words, the time for Jumu'ah is the time for Dhuhr. وَكَذَلِكَ يُرْوَى And this is how it was reported on Umar from Umar وَعَلِيٍ and Ali وَنُعْمَانِ بْنِ بَشِيرٍ وَعَمْرِ بْنِ حُرَيْثٍ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ Meaning all of these companions, this is what they reported. That this is when the Prophet ﷺ performed Jumu'ah and this is when the time for Jumu'ah enters. حَدَّثَنَا عَبْدَانْ قَالَ أَخْبَرُنَا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ قَالَ أَخْبَرُنَا يَحْيَى بْنُ سَعِيدٍ أَنَّهُ سَأَلَ عَمْرَةَ عَنِ الْغُسْلِ Said that Umrah was asked about ghusl, about taking a bath, when يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَةِ on the day of Friday. فَقَالَتْ So she said, قَالَتْ عَائِشَةُ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا She said, Aisha رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهَا said to her, كَانَ النَّاسُ The people would be مَهَنَةَ أَنفُسِهِمْ مَهَنَةَ مَهَنَةَ This is a plural of mahin. Just as the word katabah is a plural of plural of katib. Okay? Katib katabah. You understand? Katib katabah. So likewise, mahin mahana. Who is katib? One who writes. A scribe. Katib katabah and mahin mahana. Okay. Now, who is mahin? Who is mahin? We learn from a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ used to be fi mihnati ahlihi. He would be in the service of his family, working for his family, meaning helping them out at home, doing chores for them. Okay? So mahanata anfusihim, meaning the people would be serving themselves, doing their work, doing their stuff. When is it that you do your work? Your work. Whether it's, you know, you're working at a particular place for yourself, making money, okay, or you're studying. Why? Because you are gaining knowledge for yourself, or you're at home cleaning or cooking. All of this generally, work time is which time? Evening? Daytime. Right? Once you wake up in the morning, then you get to work. Whether it is at home, or at a particular place, you're studying, you're teaching, whatever you're doing. So, people would be doing their work, وَكَانُوا And they used to إِذَا رَاحُوا إِلَى الْجُمُعَةِ When they would go for Jumu'ah رَاحُوا فِي هَيْئَتِهِمْ They would go in their state Meaning as they were And imagine if a person is outside Working in front of an oven Or a woman is cleaning her home Or a man is cutting trees Or he is milking his animals As they were They would go for Jumu'ah فَقِيلَ لَهُمْ So it was said to them لَوِ اغْتَسَلْتُمْ if only you take a ghusl, meaning why don't you? Please take a ghusl. Come to the masjid fresh. So from the statement of Aisha anha, what do we learn? That the people, uh, they would come for Jumu'ah when? In the daytime. So the time for Jumu'ah is daytime. Okay. Now there are a number of other things that we learn from this hadith. First of all, 
look at the narrator. Who's the narrator? Aisha radiallahu anha. Who is reporting from her? Amrah. Who is Amrah? Her student. Okay? And she is giving the hadith to who? Yahya ibn Sa'id. Okay? So you see how men learned from the wives of the Prophet ﷺ, but women also learned. They also took knowledge seriously. They learned and they passed on that knowledge. And look at how Umrah, she said that, فَقَالَتْ قَالَتْ عَيْشَ عَنْهَا That look at Yahya ibn Sa'id. Yahya ibn Sa'id is asking Umrah about ghusl. That when should the ghusl be taken on the day of Friday? And she didn't just give an answer, but she used an evidence. Didn't she? She spoke with dalil. So what does this teach us? We should do the same thing. That when people ask us a question, give them a satisfying answer. And what is a satisfying answer? The one which is with evidence. Because otherwise it seems like you are showing yourself as an authority. But we are no authority. Speak with evidence. To Umrah, she gave evidence. What else do we learn from this? From this hadith? That how people used to do their work on Friday. And then when the time for prayer came, they left everything and went for salah. So what does it show to us? What lesson do we learn from this? Okay, and before that, use the morning. Use your mornings. Because it shows that the habit of the people was they worked in the daytime. So work during the day. The thing is that when your mind is tired, okay, when your mind is tired, you can still force your body to do some mindless work. But if your body is tired, you can't get your mind to work. Or can you? You can't. This is why it's necessary that during the day, do what is most important to you. Most important. So for example, studying. Do it in the daytime. When you are alert, when you are awake, when you have energy. And then later, at the last part of the day, do things which don't require much mental effort. Like I remember once my mother told me that when she was a student, she would do her laundry last thing at night. Last thing at night. Why? Because your brain is tired, you've been reading, you've been... Uh, you know, studying all day, your your head is hurting literally. And at that time, if you are doing some physical work, that will help you wake up, first of all. And secondly, that work will get done. But if you do your clothes first, your laundry first, and then you sit down with your books, you can't study like that. So the daytime should be spent in doing more mental work. And also we learned the etiquette over here that going for Jumu'ah, what's best that a person freshens up before doing that. حدثنا سريج بن النعماني قال حدثنا فليح بن سليمان عن عثمان بن عبد الرحمن ابن عثمان التيمي عن أنس بن مالك رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يصلي الجمعة حين تميل الشمس. He said that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to pray Jumu'ah when at the time when تميل الشمس when the sun would decline. Meaning as soon as the sun began declining, meaning as soon as it just passed the meridian immediately he would perform Salat al-Jumu'ah. Haddathana Abdan, qala akhbarana Abdullah, qala akhbarana Humayd, an Anasin, qala kunna, he said, we used to nubakkiru bil-Jumu'ati. We used to do tabkir with Jumu'ah. What is tabkir? Going early. Meaning we would go early for Jumu'ah, 
meaning relatively early compared to Zuhur. So for Zuhur they would go, but for Jumu'ah they would go earlier compared to Zuhur. وَنَقِيلُ And we would take our afternoon nap بَعْدَ Jumura After Jumu'ah. Now, there are a couple of things over here. First of all, this shows that, this hadith shows that Jumu'ah is relatively early compared to Salat al-Zuhur. Okay? That's when it should be performed. Why? Because the day of Friday, remember that, you know, there's certain ibadah that you perform in the morning. And yes, you do your work. But then after Jumu'ah, what is it that you do? In the Qur'an, what do we learn? That when the salah is over, then go. Go and do your work. So people have to go back to work. And when people have to go back to work, they better have a solid chunk before the evening. So when Jumar will be performed early, compared to Zuhur, then people have a solid chunk before Jumar and after Jumar. The day is divided. But when Jumar will be performed late, then you're neither here nor are you there. You understand? So this is the reason why Jumu'ah was performed relatively early so that people could go back to their work, you know, to their business, to their homes and do whatever they needed to. Also remember that the time for Jumu'ah, yes, it enters as the same time as Zuhud, but some scholars said that it is permissible to pray Jumu'ah even earlier. Okay? So some masajid, when you go to them, Jumu'ah is within the Zuhud window. Okay, and some masajid you will notice that Jumu'ah is before Zuhur, before Zuhur, and sometimes people object that what is this? I mean, why are we performing Jumu'ah early just because it suits people's work hours? Because there is permission, there is allowance to do that. If you notice the hadith over here, Kana yusallil tamilu shams, when the sun is. You know, starting to go down, the Prophet ﷺ is already praying Jumu'ah, which means the khutbah was before that, which means that it began before the sun started to decline. So, some scholars, for example, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Ishaq ibn Rahway, they said that it is permissible to pray before the sun passes the meridian. This is Jumu'ah, not Zuhr. They said that the time for Jumu'ah begins slightly before the time for Zuhur. And there is evidence for this. Like for example, a hadith which is reported by Muslim, in which we learn that Jafar ibn Muhammad, he reported from his father, the Jabir ibn Abdullah said, we used to pray with the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. then we would go back and let our camels use for carrying water rest. Meaning then we would make our camels rest. Which camels? The camels that were used for carrying water. Hassan said, I said to Jafar, what time was that? He said, when the sun passed its zenith. So you see, they're coming back from Jumu'ah, and then the camels are being made to rest, and that was what time? When the sun passed the zenith. So which means that the salah was performed when? As the sun was at the zenith, at the meridian, or right before that. Now remember that for Jumu'ah, people are coming from far off places also. So to make it convenient for them, do it early if it suits everybody. And if it suits them the other way, then do it slightly later, but within the time of Zuhur. Bab, إِذَا اشْتَدَّ الْحَرُّ يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَةِ إِذَا اشْتَدَّ الْحَرُّ حر. What is حر? Heat. اشْتَدَّ What does اشْتَدَّ mean? From shadid. When it becomes intense, severe. Meaning when the heat is intense, يوم الْجُمُعَةِ on the day of Jumu'ah. Then what should be done? حَدَّثَنَا Muhammad ibn Abi Bakrin. 
المقدمي قال حدثنا حرمي بن عمارة قال حدثنا أبو خلدة هو خالد بن دينار قال سمعت أنس بن مالك يقول كان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا اشتد البرد بكر بالصلاة He said that when it was very cold the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم used to go early to the prayer بكرة from بكرة بكرة وأصيلة right? So when it was very cold the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would perform the salah early وإذا اشتد الحر أبرد بالصلاة And when it was very hot, he would delay the prayer. Abrada is from? Bard. Meaning he would let it become cool. Meaning the sand, the ground. Okay? So, and that's obviously later. Meaning he would delay the prayer. When it was hot, he would delay the prayer. Yarni al-Jumu'ata. Meaning the Jumu'ah prayer. قال يونس بن بكير أخبرنا أبو خلدة فقال بالصلاة ولم يذكر الجمعة In one narration he said this was his habit with the prayer in general not specifically جمعة وقال بشر بن ثابت حدثنا أبو خلدة قال صلى بنا أمير الجمعة ثم قال لي أنس رضي الله عنه كيف كان نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي الظهر So in this hadith also what do we learn? When it's cold early when it's hot later Why? For the convenience of people. Bab al-mashi ila al-jumu'ati Walking to the jumu'ah. In the Qur'an, what's the ayah? Fas'u ila dhikrillah Wa qawlillahi jalla dhikruhu Fas'u ila dhikrillah The statement of Allah Rush to the prayer. Run to the prayer. Now does this mean that a person should run to jumu'ah prayers? Or can he walk? Or can he go in a vehicle? In a means of transportation? Does he have to run? وَمَنْ قَالَ السَّعِيُ الْعَمَلُ And those who said that سَعِي here, it doesn't mean running, it means عمل, work, وَالذَّهَاب and going. لِقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى Because of the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعِيَهَا And he strove for it as the cause deserves. Meaning the word سَعِي, yes it means to run, but in the Qur'an the word سَعِي is not always used for running. It's also used for striving, working, putting in effort, exerting effort. So over here, this ayah, فَسْعُوا إِلَىٰ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ It doesn't mean run to the masjid. It means get ready to go. Make an effort. Start working in the direction of going to the masjid. And what would that be? Leave what you're doing, get ready, go take a bath, change, freshen up, right? And get everything ready to go to the masjid. So it means Al-Amalu Wadhahab. Just like in the Quran Wasa'alaha Sa'yaha. What ayah is this? Man Arad al Akhirata Wasa'alaha Sa'yaha. Whoever intends for the reward in the hereafter and he strives for it as he should strive. Doesn't mean he runs for it. So Akhirah is a place and you have to run there. Is that what the meaning is? No. Sa'i over there means running? What does it mean? Striving. Getting ready. Getting ready for the Akhirah. So likewise, getting ready for Salatul Jumu'ah. وَقَالَ ابْنُ عَبَّاسِ And Ibn Abbas, رضي الله عنهما, he said, يَحْرُمُ الْبَيْعُ حِينَ إِذِن He said, al-bayr, meaning business, it becomes haram at that time. Meaning you have to stop it. وَقَالَ عَطَاءٌ And عَطَاءٌ said, تَحْرُمُ الصِّنَاعَاتُ كُلُّهَا All sina'at, they become haram. What is that? Work, craftsmanship. Hmm? So whether a person is, you know, doing agriculture or he's working in an office, 
typing something, writing something, arranging some papers, organizing some furniture, shopping, you know, whatever, whatever work, profession a person has, all of that must come to a stop. وَقَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ بْنُ سَعْدٍ عَنِ الزُّهْرِيِّ إِذَا أَذَّنَ الْمُؤَذِّنُ يَوْمَ الْجُمُعَةِ وَهُوَ مُسَافِرٌ فَعَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَشْهَدْ Ibrahim ibn Sa'ad said from Zuhri, he took this opinion from Zuhri, that when the Mu'addin makes the call on the day of Friday, وَهُوَ musafir, And a person is traveling, فَعَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَشْهَدْ Then he must come, he must attend the Jumu'ah prayer. So what do we learn from all of this discussion? That first of all, a person should walk to the masjid, not run. Secondly, he must strive to go to the masjid. He must you know, put in some effort. When you're going somewhere, does it show that you're going somewhere? Huh? Like for example in the morning, weekday morning, what happens after Fajr? You just go lie down on the couch? What do you do? Sari, running up and down, in and out, right? Loading the car, preparing food, preparing lunch, getting everything ready, that's Sari. So likewise, a person should do for Jumu'ah, getting ready to go for Jumu'ah. Thirdly, we see that everything else should stop at that time. Just as everything stops when you're getting ready to go somewhere, everything stops. You know, if you have laundry sitting in your machine, you're not going to take it out. Why? Because you have to go. Isn't it? You have dishes sitting in your dishwasher, you're not going to unload your dishwasher because that can be done later. So likewise, everything comes to a stop. It becomes haram when the time for Jumu'ah comes. Fourthly, we see that the musafir, the traveler, when he hears the adhan, إِذَا نُودِيَ لِلصَّلَاةِ مِنْ يَوْمِ الْجُمْعَةِ Then what should he do? فَعَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَشْهَدْ He should respond to the call. Meaning he should also do some sari. حَدَّثَنَا عَلَيْهِ بْنُ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا الْوَلِيدُ بْنُ مُسْلِمْ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا يَزِيدُ بْنُ أَبِي مَرْيَمْ قَالَ حَدَّثَنَا عَبَايَةُ بْنُ رِفَعَت to Jumu'ah. I was on my way to Jumu'ah and Abu Abz caught up with me. فَقَالَ So he said, سَمِعْتُ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُولُ I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم saying, مَنِ اغْبَرَّتْ قَدَمَاهُ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ حَرَّمَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَى النَّارِ مَنْ هُوَوَرْ اغْبَرَّتْ اغْبَرَّتْ It became dusty. قَدَمَاهُ Both his feet. فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ In the way of Allah. حَرَّمَهُ اللَّهُ Allah will forbid him عَلَى النَّارِ on the fire. Meaning that person is not going to help. He's not going to be touched by the fire. He's not going to be consumed by the fire. Now what do we learn over here? That these people are going to the masjid. What's their mushy to the masjid? What's their walking to the masjid? When they're walking, that's when their feet are getting dusty. Right? So this is what Imam Bukhari is proving. Walking to the masjid. Now, what do we learn here? That... One person is going, another catches up with him. And what are they talking about? Huh? One tells the other of a hadith. Because it's only natural. When you're walking with somebody, you're going to talk about something. The birds, the sky. You're going to comment on something. And generally, our commentary is positive or negative? Negative. How long have you been walking? How long have you been you know, on this way? You must be really tired. Hmm? My feet are hurting so much. My back is hurting. We start complaining. Generally our commentary is negative. As soon as we meet with someone, either we complain about 
how difficult it is or we complain about the people whom we've been with but look at how they're using their time one is narrating a hadith to the other and look if he hadn't narrated that hadith would we have received it think about it where did he get this hadith in a majlis of ilm in a gathering of knowledge no while walking to the masjid and which hadith was mentioned a hadith that was and in a source of encouragement that okay you're walking to the masjid don't feel bad for yourself any person whose feet get muddy in the way of allah allah will forbid him on the fire meaning he's not going to hell now likewise you know sometimes your car can get very muddy it can get very dusty you get a car wash done and it's sitting in the garage and the next day you go to your class it's raining there goes the entire car is dirty now right uh, likewise in the winter what happens what happens there is a layer of dirt hmm so again don't feel sorry for yourself because that is something good so whenever you see yourself getting tired you see traces of exhaustion or fatigue on yourself on your feet on your shoes don't pity yourself be glad be glad you know when you get a new pair of shoes what happens after some time what happens you see signs of wear and tear now there are some particular shoes that you always wear to for example a masjid hmm? or other shoes that you wear to you know the park or when you're going to the grocery store so when you see your masjid shoes or your school shoes getting old signs of wear and tear on them don't feel bad for yourself man ghabrat qadamahu fi sabilillahi harramahu allah ala nar everybody read this hadith together man ghabrat qadamahu fi sabilillahi harramahu allah ala nar read it three times من غبرت قدماه في سبيل الله حرمه الله على النار من غبرت قدماه في سبيل الله حرمه الله على النار so getting affected by this ghubar by this dust what is it it's a privilege it's an honor it's not something to feel bad about park the car in a house then we walk to the masjid and i was noticing she was putting purposely her feet into the dust she was at that time in the kindergarten right so i asked her what are you doing i said then i realized she said i asked her did you hear some new hadith today in the school she said yes so i explained her what was the meaning of right to putting your feet like if they're dusty yeah, yeah. the shoes are dusty right yeah. so alhamdulillah this is so encouraging and jazakallah khair this uh, shows to us another aspect of walking to the masjid you know sometimes we want to park as close as possible to the doors so that we have to walk less but the more a person has to walk in the way of allah the more dusty he gets the better it is for him more reward for him more protection for him in another hadith we learn that a person going to the masjid in the night you know this will be a source of light for him on the day of judgment حدثنا آدم قال حدثنا ابن أبي ذئب قال الزهري عن سعيد وأبي سلمة عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم وحدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال أخبرني أبو سلمة ابن عبد الرحمن أن أبا هريرة قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إذا أقيمت الصلاة 
when the prayer has been established فَلَا تَأْتُوهَا تَسْعَوْنَ then do not come to it running وَأْتُوهَا and come to it approach the prayer تَمْشُونَ walking عَلَيْكُمُ السَّكِينَةِ on you must be sakina meaning you must be tranquil فَمَا أَدْرَكْتُمْ فَصَلُّوا whatever you catch up then pray that meaning whatever you find with the imam pray وَمَا فَاتَكُمْ and whatever you miss فَأَتِمُّوا then complete it so yes in the Quran فَسْعُوا has been mentioned but that doesn't mean you have to run to the masjid you still have to walk to the masjid because running to the prayer is something that is not allowed how should a person approach the prayer? walking with sakina. why? if you're running you know tripping over something almost crashing into something or someone huh? imagine how shaken you would be by the time you get to the prayer. Like for example, if a person is driving really, really fast, then what happens finally when you get to your school? You have to sit in the car for two minutes and get your senses together, take a few breaths and then go. It can shake you. Right? Of course, when people are running, it, it seems so chaotic. Right? But when people are walking, and they're going, you know, gently, smoothly with sakina, then it's calm, it's peaceful, the entire activity. And also one more thing, the people who are standing in prayer, imagine they hear somebody running. They hear somebody running at the back. Then obviously they're going to wonder, is everything okay? Is there an emergency? Is there a problem? What's going on? So this is why, even if the prayer has begun, don't run to the prayer. Walk to the prayer. Even if you miss something in the process. What you find with the imam, pray that. And whatever you've missed, don't worry. Make it up later. And if coming on time was that important to you, then you should have thought about that earlier. حدثنا عمر بن علي قال حدثني أبو قتيبة قال حدثنا علي بن المبارك عن يحيى بن أبي كثير عن عبد الله بن أبي قتادة لا أعلمه إلا عن أبيه عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال لا تقوموا حتى تروني وعليكم السكينة Do not get up until you see me and you must have سكينة When the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he would come for the prayer basically when the time for prayer would enter Bilal would go and ask the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم should I go give the adhan and the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم would allow him and Bilal will give the adhan and then when the Prophet ﷺ would come and the person who would be giving the iqama, he would see him, then he would you know, begin the iqama. So basically, iqama would only be pronounced when the imam was seen. Because it's disrespectful. The imam is not here, iqama has been pronounced. And everybody is standing in rows and wondering where is the imam. So wait for the imam to come, then give the iqama. And then everybody should stand up for the prayer. Also, during the prayer, during the prayer, a person should not get up from the rukur or the sujood before the imam. Okay? So the process of coming to the prayer and the prayer itself, how should it be? The entire process, how should it be? With sakina. Don't rush through it. Because when you're rushing through something, then you're basically getting a chore done. Aren't you? And when you're going slowly, taking time, you know, paying attention to every detail, then that means you are focused on the work. And you're not just getting the work done. And this is very natural. 
The things that you consider a chore, you rush through them. Or you don't. Do you? Like for example, in the kitchen, why is it that there's so much bang and clang? So much noise. Because dishes are just being thrown, literally tossed in the dishwasher. Right? Why? Because it's not that important. It's just a chore. You just want to get it over with. The real work is something else. That's sitting and eating with your family. Or that's actually preparing the food. So, the salah, whether it is coming to the prayer, or standing up for the prayer, or during the prayer, it's all important. And when it's all important, it should not be rushed. لا تقوموا حتى تروني وعليكم السكينة Now, walking to the masjid, okay, because this is what the bab is about, that itself is something that is very, very rewarding. Remember that a group of once a sub-tribe, right? They moved close to the masjid and the Prophet ﷺ said that diyarukum diyarukum tuktab atharukum Go back to your homes, remain in your homes, meaning don't relocate closer to the masjid because your footsteps to the masjid are recorded. Now, going for any prayer, for anything in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, every step counts. But going for Jumu'ah, again, every step counts. In a hadith we learn that the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever does ghusl on Friday and causes his wife to do ghusl and sets out early and comes close to the imam and listens and keeps quiet, then for every step he takes, he will have the reward of fasting and praying qiyam for one year. This is a hadith narrated by At-Tirmidhi and classed as Sahih by Shaykh Al-Bani. Listen to this again. For every step he takes, he will have the reward of fasting and praying qiyam for one year. How much reward is that? How much reward is that? Fasting and praying qiyam for an entire year. Do we have the capacity to do that? We fast three days in Ashra Zul-Hijjah and we say we need a break. And then we start again, we need a break. Right? Ramadan, one month of fasting, and even that, we find it difficult to do. But imagine, fasting and praying qiyam one whole year. This is reward for what? One step. Every step that a person takes to the masjid. For what? Salatul Jumu'ah. How? After taking a bath, and then setting out early, going to the masjid early, and coming close to the imam. Meaning, sitting in the front. Obviously when there is a mixed congregation, meaning there is no separate sections, men in the front and women will be at the back and the farther they are, the better it is. But when it's completely sectioned off, women's section is different, men's section is different, men don't see the women, women don't see the men, then what's better for the women? To be in front of their section. Okay. So being in the front, listening and keeping quiet. Listening to the imam and keeping quiet. And really, this is difficult. Because we are listening, but we don't always keep quiet. And it's sad. It's unfortunate that people who know the importance of remaining quiet in the khutbah, still, we end up talking to each other. You know, even saying, shh to somebody is low. Meaning it's it's an unnecessary statement. A person should avoid that. What if somebody is trying to talk to you during the khutbah? Don't answer. Don't even look at them. And they will understand themselves. If, if it's any issue, you know what, it can be solved later. Alhamdulillah, it's not an emergency. When it's children, I mean, they're going to take time to learn. But again, if you are just quiet, you don't even look at them, you just look at the place of sajda, they will pick up very quickly. 
You know, it's, it's similar to how children at the beginning, they find it very strange that why isn't my mother talking to me when she's praying? But then what happens? Gradually they learn. Okay, she's praying. She's not going to talk to me. So even they become silent. Right? So keeping silent also. Then a person will get the reward for every step. باب لا يفرق بين اثنين يوم الجمعة لا يفرق he must not separate cause separation بين اثنين between two people يوم الجمعة on the day of Friday meaning when a person goes to the masjid and he sits then he should not sit between two people how? what if there is a gap between the two people? he should not fill that up? Well, he should fill that up but if two people are sitting next to each other he should not go between them and tell The person on the right, can you please move here? And the person on the left, can you please move to the other side? No. He should not cause a separation. Rather, he should go find a spot that's empty and fill that. And if he doesn't find anything like that, then sit at the back. Because this is against the etiquette of a majlis, of any gathering. This is something that is not liked. Sitting between people, causing separation between them. حدثنا عبدان قال أخبرنا عبد الله قال أخبرنا ابن أبي ذئب عن سعيد المقبوري عن أبيه عن ابن وديعة عن سلمان الفارسي قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من اغتسل يوم الجمعة whoever takes a bath on the day of Friday وتطهر بما استطاع من طهر and he also obtains purity meaning he cleans himself بما استطاع من طهر as much as he is able to meaning how much ever he can clean himself. He cleans himself as much as possible. Then he applies duhun. And what is duhun? Oil. Or he puts a touch of fragrance. And then he goes early, meaning to the masjid. فَلَمْ يُفَرِّقْ بَيْنَ اثْنَيْنِ And he does not separate between two people. فَصَلَّ مَا كُتِبَ لَهُ And then he prays what is ordained for him. Meaning, تَحِيَّةُ الْمَسْجِدِ ثُمَّ إِذَا خَرَجَ الْإِمَامُ أَنْصَدَ Then when the imam comes out, he is silent. غُفِرَ لَهُ It will be forgiven for him. مَا بَيْنَهُ What is between it? وَبَيْنَ الْجُمْعَةِ الْأُخْرَى And the other Jum'ah. Meaning, the previous one. Okay, so meaning the Jumar that he performed, basically. So there are a couple of things over here. First of all, two consecutive Jumars in a row. Secondly, taking a bath. Thirdly, cleaning oneself as much as possible. Cleaning oneself more than you do on a regular basis. Like, for example, okay, cutting your nails. Okay, removing unwanted hair. What else? Something that a person does not do on a regular basis. Hmm? Okay, many women, they don't regularly wash their hair in the sense that they'll take a body shower but not a complete head shower. So washing the hair, making a point to open up all those braids and wash them all. Okay, what else? Hmm? Okay, cleaner clothes. But this is about the body. وَتَطَهَّرَ بِمَا اسْتَطَاعَ مِنْ طُهْرٍ Scrubbing yourself. Because many times it happens that women, they take a bath so quickly that they don't care to scrub their body properly. So, تَطَهَّرَ بِمَا اسْتَطَاعَ مِنْ طُهْرٍ Because you see, for example, feet. Generally, we neglect cleaning them properly. But then what happens when you go to the masjid and the soles 
they're dirty or the toes are dirty. There's dirt stuck inside. Well, you say, I took a shower. You need to scrub them a little bit more. Okay? So, وَتَطَهَّرَ بِمَا اسْتَطَاعَ مِن طُهْرٍ And then, also applying zina. And in the zina, what comes? Oil, as well as perfume. And then going to the masjid on time, early, performing tahiyatul masjid, listening to the imam quietly, and this will cause the sins to be to be forgiven. Bab la yuqimur rajulu akahu. La yuqimur rajulu akahu. Yuqimu. Make to stand. Cause to stand. Meaning a man should not make his brother stand, meaning get up. Yawmal Jumu'ah, on the day of Friday. Huwa yaqa'udu fi makanihi. To sit in his place. Meaning no person should do this. That he goes to the masjid, he makes somebody get up. Please get up from here. Or please move to the right. Or please move to the left. And then he sits in his place. This is not fair. This is not correct. Why? Why? Okay, you never know why that person is sitting in that place. Okay. Being told to get up in front of everybody and move. I mean, that is something that's embarrassing. You know, remember that if it's for the purpose of perfecting the prayer, so for example, there are so many gaps in the front and people are sitting in the back, standing at the back, then there is no harm in encouraging people to go to the front, move to the front. But making somebody move and then taking their place, this is what? It's bad manners. It's not fair. It's very disrespectful. And many times people think that, you know, because of their position or their age, they can do this. So younger children, move from here, get up from here, you go at the back. It's pride. You know, all the servants of Allah in the masjid are equal. If somebody has any, you know, honor, it's because of taqwa. Right? Yes, we should have respect for the people of knowledge, for the people of position, for the people who have been given authority above us. We should definitely have that position. But a person who has been given fadl should not, you know, force people to respect him. If somebody gets up and makes space for you, that's their ihsan on you. But you should not demand that from people. They don't let him sit in the front row because they say all their friends are going to come, they're going to come in that place. They say he mustn't sit in the front. Or he's in his 40s and they are in the 60s or 70s. But she said every day the same problem. So now he stopped going to that masjid, he goes to another masjid. SubhanAllah. Even in Ramadan, there are some children who pray taraweeh, I mean regularly, and they're young children, but they love to stand in the front and pray. But again, how are they treated? No children, you know, in this row. Children have to be in the back. And the thing is that if children are not allowed to stand in the front and pray properly, how will they learn? Usually the attitude against the mothers and mothers with young children is at the back, at the back, at the back. And what happens? All the children, they get together and they have a blast. And the mothers are praying. Whereas if if every child is with the mother, then either the child will sit in one place or sleep or stand and pray. Right? But when all the children are you know, assembled in one place, then obviously... They're going to create a huge problem everywhere. I never understood this until I became a mother myself. Literally going to the masjid became very difficult for me. Because no matter where you go, women with children are sent to the back. And the same children who at home stay quiet when you're praying, what happens in the masjid? 
they start making noise. Why? Because everybody's talking, everybody's making noise. So, لا يقيم الرجل أخاه يوم الجمعة ويقعد في مكانه. حدثنا محمد قال أخبرنا مخلد بن يزيد قال أخبرنا ابن جريج قال سمعت نافعا يقول سمعت ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما يقول he said نهى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم forbade this أن يقيم الرجل أخاه that a man should make his brother get up من مقعده from his place of sitting ويجلس فيه and he sits in it قلت لنافع I said to نافع الجمعة meaning this is about جمعة قال الجمعة وغيرها he said this is this applies to Jumu'ah and also other prayers and other majalis. So whenever there is a congregation, it is extremely disrespectful that the person who has come early, who made a point, who put an effort to come early, to get a good place, and as soon as I sit there, you come and tell them to move. This is not correct. It's the house of Allah and everybody has an equal right over it. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته